I was like, you know, trying to, I guess, be someone that I wasn't at that time. And then the reason that I shared it is because I really wanted my audience to know who I was and what I was going through. And I think from there, especially after the positive feedback I received after doing that, it really opened my eyes that my audience cares about me and I should probably start sharing more about the real me. Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Haefling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who have experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. While we're talking about female-founded businesses, you guys have to check out SheKind, an independent Canadian retail boutique. SheKind is run by a mother-daughter duo with the goal of making women look and feel their absolute best with the thing we love, fashion. All of the brands that they partner with are either female-founded or female-led. Head over to SheKind.ca to shop their super cute clothing by all female-led brands, and right now you can get 20% off your first purchase using code MADEIT20. That's 20% off using code M-A-D-E-I-T-2-0 at SheKind.ca. One use per customer. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, of course. So how about we start off with having you just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and your business and your role as an influencer. Yeah, so my name's Carly. I'm 24 years old and I am a lifestyle influencer and content creator from Canada. So for me, um, my business, I guess, so I'm a full-time content creator. Tomorrow marks the day, January 6th, that I walked into my job last year and they're like, we're firing you. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I decided to do influencing and social media full-time that day. So it's almost been a year since I've officially been a full-time content creator influencer. And so I talk about things like body confidence, positivity. We talk a lot of fashion and lifestyle as well. A lot of wellness, like morning routines and something that people have been loving lately is like all of the weird workout office gadgets I've been finding. (laughs) And so that is kind of like what I do on the internet. I have TikTok. I do a lot of dance videos and I share my unfortunate dating experiences. And then I also run a podcast called Hey Bitches, which is a sexual wellness and lifestyle podcast. Wow. Awesome. Well, there's so many things that I want to jump into and I'm excited to hear about. Um, But starting off, you know, you said you became a full-time influencer um, about a year ago. And before that, um, you'd also been doing it as well. Do you want to just tell us a bit about how you first got into the industry? Yeah. So I first kind of found myself in the influencer industry at a really young age. So when I was 17, I was cheerleading in the CFL and I was still in high school in my last year of high school, but I was really enthralled in the, like how marketing and advertising worked and all of that. And then at the 
time as well, I was going to one of the number one leadership high schools in my province. And something that we did every year was global initiatives. So every single year we would get together, our school would raise money for a certain global charity. However, because we had such a strong core of leadership, it was a really cool experience for me to understand, you know, how you raise money to fund a positive global initiative or how you reach out to people to be sponsors or anything like that. So it was really cool. And I think a really big turning point and kind of groundwork for me to be a part of that. In my grade 11 year as well, we hosted like one of the largest Alberta student leadership conferences to date. And then the next year we hosted the largest leadership initiative in my province also to date. So I had like a lot of experience very young. And then in my CFL year, I learned so much so fast as well because I was surrounded by people who were obviously older than me. I was 17 years old at the time, but they were finishing school or they had like real careers and it was really interesting. And at the time I was really set on um, musical theater school Like I actually applied to musical theater school before I applied to business school. But what happened is I didn't get in and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do now? And my family was like, hey, like in high school, you had such an interest in this and all of that and marketing and advertising. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. So I applied to business school and I just didn't want to (laughs) wait to be in business school to like learn about business. So what I ended up doing is just at my job that I was working at at the time, like on my break, I just typed in how to do online business or online marketing. And obviously when you type that in in 2014 versus now, like it, that was completely different, the answer that you got. So I got the answer that uh, you could start a blog and I was like, oh, okay. So I don't know if you know this about me, but I am the kind of person I have to just do it first before I can evaluate if it was a, a good or a bad decision. So I actually taught myself how to code my whole website. All of that went like super off into the deep end on how to do blogging. And it was enthralling for like a year and a little bit. And then that's kind of when Instagram started to pop off more. So I had Instagram in 2012 is when I opened my account. And then probably not until 2016 is when I started to really kind of take it more seriously. I gained a lot more friends in the industry and it really kind of opened my eyes. And then I got into business school. Um, I was in business school for two and a half years until I dropped out for nine months where I was like, okay, I am going to not do school. At the time I was working for one of the largest malls in corporate or one of the largest malls in North America doing their corporate social media. So I was already working in a job that basically I would have gotten if I had graduated already type of thing, just because I had so much experience because I had learned so much and just like put myself out there. So I quit school basically for uh, three semesters. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to just do social media while also having this like stable form of income. And so I did that for a little bit. I learned a lot. I ended up going back to school, finished my last two or one and a half years or three semesters after that. Um, Graduated last June with a Bachelor of Commerce with a major in marketing and a minor in legal business studies with an emphasis on intellectual property law. And now I do this, you know, kind of full time. So to, I guess, 
that's kind of my origin story <laughs> of how I first became an influencer. Yes, absolutely. I love it. And, you know, giving that background knowledge, I think, gives a clear picture, which is nice. And then, you know, taking it full time last year, um, do you want to talk about, you know, what made you decide to do this and sort of know that you were ready for that, for to take that leap? Yeah, so I was never ready to do any of it <laughs> because um, when I was working, not in the job that I was most recently in, but the one before, the same thing happened to me. Like I walked into my office. I worked like the almost full day. Like I worked nine to 4.30. Then I was pulled into an office and they're like, we're letting you go. We're making changes to the marketing team. I was like, what? <laughs> I worked all day. I literally went to lunch with my bosses. Everything was fine. And then 4.30 hit and they're like, no, leave. I was like, hmm? <laughs> so during that time, um, a couple months later, I ended up going to VidCon and I met a bunch of creators who were doing it kind of full time and all of this, but my audience, I don't think I had positioned it or nurtured it enough to be able to go full time at that moment. I think I had just hit 10,000 followers in July of 2019. Um, but I had lost my job like two months prior. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just go on un unemployment for a bit and like look for jobs and all of that. September, I got a job. But shortly after that, in December of 2019 is when I had a lot of success on social media and specifically TikTok. So my TikTok started blowing up. I gained like 100,000 followers in like three weeks. It was absolutely crazy. And when I lost my job again in January, I was kind of just like, okay, this is, feels like a sign where I just need to do it. So I feel like if that didn't happen, I don't know if I would have like quit and been like, yeah, I'm doing this full time. I think it was honestly just like a fight or flight thing at that moment because I knew I was graduating in four months and I knew I didn't want to work in corporate anymore. So I just kind of said, this is the move. And then it luckily worked out. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, like you said, it's definitely worked out since then. And it's it's funny how those things happen. But I mean, it's it's worked out in the end. And, you know, you you talked about there too, that's interesting was, you know, before you went the the full time and before you really started growing that audience, you said it was you weren't quite positioned um, for that yet. Can you tell us a bit about, you know, what, what was the shift that you made, um, after that moment and, you know, building that community on social media? Yeah. So I feel like I've always been pretty authentic on social media. Like definitely these past two years have been a year where I've just kind of thrown back the entire curtain, not even thrown it back. Like we've thrown the curtain out. Like everybody sees like 100% into my life. But I think before that I was, not a hundred percent confident in who I was and what I brought to the table because I would constantly be comparing myself to other people and their content and all of this. And I think that was also a time where people had those really pristine type of themes and they were in the Bahamas all the time and their feed was gorgeous. And I was like, what am I going to do from Edmonton, Alberta? That's like minus 40 in the winter time. <laughs> so I was like, you know, trying to, I guess, be someone that I wasn't at that time. And then I kind of just realized that people want to follow you, interact with you, all of that for you. And like, I wasn't being me. So I had a, actually a really transformative moment 
when it came to social media and my audience because I was actually working one night and I was working a night shift and I was done and I had 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 this like lingering panicky feeling the whole night and like it was a feeling like I was going nowhere in life and all of this when in reality I wasn't but it was like really really consuming me and stressing me out and all of this and uh I had a public like breakdown in my car like panic attack in my car and in that moment I was like you know what I need to do I need to share this with the people on social media and that wasn't I feel like when I tell this story there's some people who are like why would you do that and there's some people who are like oh okay so the reason that I shared it is because I really wanted my audience to know who I was and what I was going through and I think from there especially after the positive feedback I received after doing that it really opened my eyes that my audience cares about me and I should probably start sharing more about the real me. So I really worked on that connection for the next like year. And then also like I did technical things like level up my content and get a new camera and all of that and kind of take more of that like professional content. But that next like year and a little bit was a lot about just showing the people who I was, what I was going through and just connecting with them versus looking at them as a number to get me to a different milestone. Yes, I I absolutely love that. And I think that, you know, that is what really makes people connect to, you know, influencers or anyone on social media is that authenticity. And so I love that that's sort of the approach that you were taking with it. And, you know, you can definitely see it now as well with your feed. And I know that you've posted things where before in the beginning you didn't, there were some things where you didn't want to post. And now, you know, you've got to this new level where you're completely comfortable. And do you have maybe any advice for people listening about, you know, posting those authentic posts, or maybe even, maybe it's the confidence behind it to do those posts or anything like that? Yeah. So I think that social media can be a very scary place for a lot of people and it's hard sometimes to be vulnerable and I totally understand it. But I think even if you do small things like every day, it makes it so much easier. So I'm not like telling you to come on social media and tell like your most horrific breakup story. Like, I mean, I did that, but that's like, (laughs) that's me versus, you know, you could you could share your thoughts and opinions and your stories also when they're tied to days or events. Like they have the Bell Let's Talk, the mental health day. You could even start there. Like everyone is sharing their stories on those days. So it's not like everybody is staring at you being like, oh, like why did you share this with us? And kind of start opening up a little bit more in that sense. And once you're kind of more comfortable with that, then you can just let people peek into your life. And that can be through captions, that can be through stories, that can be through lives, through whatever medium it is, YouTube. Um, But it's just like letting people peek into your life, I think gives people more of that sense of that you're a real person and that, you know, you also go through the same type of struggle and the same type of thing as a lot of people. And I think that you know, aligning yourself with those days or those events around certain topics that you are passionate about but don't know how to share is a really good place to start being vulnerable on the internet and then continuing 
to grow into just posting it whenever you feel like it from there. Mm-hmm, definitely. I think that's a really great piece of advice. And, you know, I think it's a great approach for people to really take as well and, you know, have that authenticity behind behind their social media. Um, and, you know, as well, too, you said that you've sort of been in the industry for a couple of years now. Do you mind sharing sort of how has how have you seen the influencer industry change over the past couple of years and how has it changed for yourself? Yeah. So (laughs) the influencer industry of the past seven years is crazy. Like just with like the rise of different social media platforms and algorithm changes and companies buying companies and all of this, like it's been crazy because even if you think back to Instagram, when it first started, like you could post an Instagram photo with 30 full hashtags and like five of them being like follow for follow or like for like, and you could literally grow like an audience of 10,000 people in like four days. It was crazy. Like Instagram was the wild west back then. (laughs) And uh, at the same time too, like it also wasn't as accepted to be an Instagram influencer. Like at that time it was all of like the bloggers. Those were the people, the bloggers and like the OG YouTubers. And so it was so different even just looking at the industry, but then also at the time you didn't have as many people doing partnerships. Like a lot of the people who did blogs had AdSense, which is still like alive and well today, but basically like companies would pay the blogger to run ads about their product on their website, not necessarily partner with the blogger to then create a sponsored content for them. It would just be like, no, ads on this. This has this many views a month or a day or whatever. This is how it works. And that's like how a lot of people made money. And then also too, back in the day of like the good YouTube algorithm, people would make money through AdSense on YouTube as well. And that would be like a pretty lucrative source of income. But back then that was kind of it (laughs) versus the next couple years, we saw the introduction of the Instagram influencer that weren't just like celebrities. They were just regular people who were able to build up these social media platforms. And I mean, I wouldn't necessarily always say regular because a lot of the like the OG Instagram influencers were people who have like husbands who are photographers who made a lot of money. Like both of them probably made a lot of money and they were traveling all the time. They had this, all this beautiful, unattainable content that we could not shoot on our iPhone 4s at the time. And uh, so there was kind of that season of influencer. And then the past like two years has been super crazy because you can have people who hit 1 million in three months on TikTok and now they're influencers and they're doing all this and brands obviously have shifted in how they work with people because now you have sponsorships, but you also have things like usage rights for like billboards and TVs and ads. And you also have, you know, Netflix deals and YouTube shows and all of these other things and makeup line collaborations on top of just like regular sponsorships. So the industry has really changed. And I think it's honestly just become more accessible because before the only people that you would see on these like sponsored ads or these Maybelline ads or these CoverGirl ads or these like whatever ads were like actual celebrities or sports people or anything like that versus now we see a lot of integration of just like regular people who became influencers or social media stars. 
Mm -hmm, Definitely. I think it's so interesting to, you know, see how it's evolved over the years. And, you know, especially with the different platforms, like you said, it's definitely gotten, it's gotten crazy with some of the things once it goes viral. And another great point there too, is, you know, monetizing um, as an influencer and, you know, creating those brand partnerships. And you've worked with a lot of amazing companies. Um, I know you recently did one with Sports Check. And do you want to just tell us a bit about, you know, finding those brands? to work with um, and creating those partnerships? Yeah. So this is a question I get a lot because I feel like I have so many friends who were kind of in that latter half of the influencers I explained. Like they're the people who have grown audiences, but they weren't in the industry before then. So they're like, Carly, like, how are these people reaching out to you and da, 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 and all of this? And it's just because I've been in, I guess, for lack of a better word, the game longer because I've been able to create these partnerships with these people who work at the PR firms and people bounce all over the place when they work in PR, like from firm to firm to firm. And that's new clients that they bring to you and all of this. So that is kind of how a lot of brand deals come to me. But on the other side too, like I do a lot of pitching to brands. So I will just like sit here sometimes and I'll be like, okay, well, I'm using, you know, Roadcaster Pro for YouTube or I'm sitting here and I drink like out of a Raydun coffee cup every day or I drink this type of tea and I'm like, okay, cool. This would be like a natural, cool integration. And so sometimes I'll DM them on Instagram to be like, hey, like what's your best contact for marketing? Sometimes you can find it on LinkedIn, on their email or sorry, not their email, on their website or things like that. And then I'll just email them. I feel like a lot of people wait for the brand to come to them when in reality, unless you have like, you know, people that you know with the brand or you had a video go viral of you using the product or something like that, like these brands aren't going to find you just, just chilling, you know? So I think that to creating brand partnerships, a lot of it is just going out and getting it. And I think so many people just don't do that. Like they don't want to pitch. They want everybody to come to them. And at the end of the day, it's the people who pitch who get more work than the people who just sit there and wait for someone to come to them. Mm-hmm, definitely. I think that's, I think those are some really great points and, you know, some great advice too, for people who are looking for partnerships and, you know, having that initiative to sort of take it on yourself and make that happen. So it's so interesting, you know, hearing about that. And you said as well too, you know, you like to reach out to brands that you are aligned with and that you already use their products. Can you tell us a bit about finding brands that really fit well for you? Or is there sort of considerations you take before making the deal or even for negotiating deals with brands? Yeah. So um, for me right now, personally, like in my influencer life, I have a manager and I love her. She's one of my best friends. But before I had my manager, I feel like before I kind of got the ropes of how partnerships work, I would just kind of accept whatever. But at the end of the day, like brands have money to pay you. So if they reach out and they're like, hey, we'd love to do this, like send us your address and we'll send something over and you have to post. I literally would be like, hey, thank you so much for thinking of me. Would love to partner with you on this. This is my rate for the deliverable above. Like, let me know your budget for this project. And I think, you know, sometimes there's companies that like are just like scammy and they don't want to pay you, but there's so many companies that have budgets that, you know, kind of take advantage of the fact that a lot of influencers are new and green for lack of a better word to how the industry works. 
So my biggest tip for that, I think, would just be to like join Facebook groups of like creatives and stuff like that, that you can ask questions to. Because for me personally, like I have a minor in intellectual property law. So like reading the contracts and stuff like that in terms of usage and exclusivity and the rights and all of that is like my bread and butter. Like I really enjoy it and I love contract law. So negotiating for me and understanding that is not hard, but for the person who does not have a burning passion for contract law, it can be hard. And so YouTube also is a great resource. There's tons of YouTube videos about how to reach out to brands, how to, you know, partner with brands, all of this. And then another resource, which is the only course that I've ever bought. Like I don't really do online courses taught by other people because I already paid enough like for university. But the only course that I've bought is called Pitch It Perfect by Julie Salman, which is a whole course about how to pitch brands. And it's really helpful. And the Facebook group is fantastic. So those are all types of different resources, I guess, when it comes to negotiating or learning how to reach out or finding an email or doing any of that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing those resources. I, they will definitely be so helpful for you know anyone looking into no, negotiations or brand partnerships in general. And you know, I also want to jump into you also own your own clothing line. Um, do you want to just tell us a bit about how this all got started for you? Yeah. So that was a crazy experience. Um, so in April of last year, I was just like, okay, cool. Like I'm thinking of putting out merch. And so merch is not like a foreign concept. I feel like creators put out merch. And so I posted that on TikTok and I was like, well, how do you guys feel about me doing merch? And there was like just an overwhelming yes from my audience. And I was like, okay, well now I got to figure it out. And so I did my first merch run. It was literally just like sweaters. And the biggest thing that I wanted for them was for them to be size inclusive because for me, like I'm plus size, my mom is plus size. I have so many other friends who are plus size. Like it just didn't make sense for me to not include people like me and my family and the other people that I see around me. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'll make it inclusive. And so I did. And it went really, really well, except for I'm kind of known as like the person who is in crop tops and sweats on TikTok all the time. And people were like, we want sweats. And I was like, uh, okay. And so I was looking and looking and looking and it's so hard to find size inclusive sweatpants that are not ugly and are, you know, in cute colors and shapes and all of this. And it was just it truly such a struggle that I took it upon myself to be like, okay, well, how am I going to figure it out? And so I was like, okay, well, I guess something, something needs to happen here. So I did a lot of research. I was really lucky that I have a lot of friends who were kind of in the drop shipping space before it was too saturated. So they had a lot of really good contacts and stuff like that. But basically I had to get a whole entire line manufactured. I was like a crazy person about it too. Like I like panic applied to fashion school in hopes that it would teach me something that I didn't already know that I couldn't find from Google or like whatever. And so I did not go to fashion school, but I did end up manufacturing a whole line. So that was crazy. I had to figure out how to draft patterns and size grade and do all that and then have it actually manufactured and then figure out how to import export things. And that was a whole experience in itself. And it, it was, you know, really crazy. And then I launched the first collection. 
Um, it's still selling right now and it's, it's great. I'm really happy that I did it. It was a crazy <laughs> experience and I'm really excited to see how it continues in 2021. But yeah, that's kind of how uh, Confidence Club came to be. I love that. And I'm, I'm so excited as well to, you know, see where it goes. And I love the name and sort of the messaging behind it of Confidence Club. And do you want to just share, you know, where did this messaging come from? And also, you know, it's all about confidence. And do you have just any quick tips for people who may struggle with confidence? My favorite thing to do it, when it comes to confidence is I love to have like a bougie like bath. <laughs> you know, when you have one of those baths where you have all your candles lit and you got a good body scrub and you're drinking a glass of wine, all of this, you get out, you moisturize, you feel fantastic. You have a great night's sleep. The next day you wake up and you're glowing. And what I like to do is with that like high of how great I feel, I will put on some of like my favorite banger playlist songs that make me feel so good. And I will stand in the mirror and I will have a dance party with myself with no clothes on (laughs) because (laughs) I feel like what a lot of people, you know, don't do is look at their body when they are feeling insecure about it. And I think that the first step really is to start to look at your body and recognize it and you know get familiar with it because a lot of the time too with body image we think that we look a completely different way than we actually do and so kind of bringing us back down to reality and looking at our bodies the way that they are is really fantastic and i think integrating it with the songs that make you feel so good it actually i think translates in your mind that you have this like dopamine rush and you these songs are great and they make you feel so good and then i think By also looking at yourself in the mirror at the same time, your brain is tying those two together, being like, okay, well, I feel so good right now and I'm looking at my body, which means I feel better about my body type of thing. So that is one of my biggest tips. Like, I love it. I'm also big on affirmation. So like saying out loud, like, I am happy, I'm healthy, I am, you know, moving my body in a positive way every day, like all that. Like, I love those types of things because I think saying stuff out loud too is very valuable versus just thinking it in your head all the time. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I I love that. And I think that's great advice and great tips for, you know, anyone struggling with that. And along your full journey as, you know, an influencer, an entrepreneur, um, building your own personal brand, has there sort of been one big obstacle um, that you've overcome that you'd like to share and sort of how you did overcome it in that time? I think that one of the biggest obstacles that probably a lot of people, regardless if they're influencers or not, kind of struggle with that I definitely struggled with was comparison. And that means I would wake up, I would compare my Instagram feed to other people's and I would compare my number of followers to other people. And I would look at my life and see how different it was from like other influencers who probably just posted like the glamorized highlight reels on their Instagram. And, you know, they say that comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that it is really true because when I was kind of in the thick of comparing myself to other people, and that meant a lot of things like body-wise, career-wise, you know, grades-wise, down to things that like I couldn't even control. Like the fact that, you know, I'm mixed race, so I don't have regular straight hair. Like that was a whole thing I had to go through with myself about embracing my natural curls. And so comparison is like a huge obstacle. And I think that's something that I 
intermittently struggle with still, but I've really kind of stepped into the person that I am, what I have to offer and all of that. But there are definitely days where I still compare myself. But I think that was probably one of the biggest obstacles that I had to recognize and then work through to become the person that I am today. Hmm. I, yeah, I definitely agree that, you know, I think a lot of people definitely go through that influencer or not, or even, you know, any business owner as well comparison. And so like, and like you said, it's sort of just figuring out, you know, who you are and not worrying about what other people are doing. And I know, you know, a lot of people say on social media, make sure you're following people that make you feel good and stuff. So I think I agree. It's definitely something a lot of people go through. Um, And then, you know, on the other side of that, has there been sort of one really big proud moment or a big highlight looking back on your journey you'd like to share? Yeah. So my um, biggest, I guess, proud moment now is on Saturday, um, which was only a couple days ago, I actually moved into my very first apartment. So I moved out of my childhood home that I lived in my whole entire life. And I moved into my apartment that I live in by myself, that I can afford by myself because of the job that I have. And so this has been super crazy and eye-opening and incredible because it's just such an accomplishment, especially too, because it hasn't even been a year since I you know, lost my job. I guess tomorrow it's been a year since I lost my job. And it's just so crazy for me to look back at that Carly versus like the Carly today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, that is a huge accomplishment and congratulations. Um, I'm, I'm so happy for you. And that definitely is big and starting your own business as well as being an influencer full time. Do you have any advice that you'd give to someone who is either, you know, looking to sort of go into either of those routes? Yeah. So my biggest advice that I give to people over and over, which is so funny because I feel like you hear this from everyone, is to be consistent. Because when you're not showing up consistently, like you're serving content and then you disappear and your audience is like, oh, okay. And so doing that kind of stuff just breaks trust with your audience over and over and over again. And this is kind of a lesson that I had to learn the hard way because I, at one point, was not great at consistency to the point where literally in May, I think of 2019, I archived my entire Instagram feed and started over because I was like, I can't do this anymore type of thing. So consistency is such a big thing because you don't want to post something. Your audience is so engaged with it and all of this. And then you disappear for four months and you come back and you're like, Hey, remember that one thing that I posted? Like, let's talk about it again. And they just don't care anymore because you disappeared. And so consistency is just, it's, really the foundation of growth for anything that you do, whether it be, you know, social media, real business, health goals, whatever it is, like consistency is truly key. And then the second thing that I think I kind of talked about a little bit earlier is that nurturing your audience is more important than growing an audience. And that might be controversial, but I actually had this conversation this morning that 5,000 people who genuinely care about you and what you're doing and all of that is more important than 500,000 people who don't give a fuck about you. So I would really focus on nurturing your audience and the people that you have because eventually those people will share you with more people and all of that and you'll be able to grow a larger community. And I actually recently just saw that happen in real life because I asked my audience, I was like, hey, I want to hit 25,000 followers on Instagram. That was my goal for 2020. Like, can we do it? 
And if my audience didn't care about me, they wouldn't have helped me at all. Instead, they helped me and now I'm at 28,000 followers, which is crazy and it's been five days. <laughs> so I think that those are the two big things is consistency and nurturing the audience that you already have. Yes, I think those are two important points, um, you know, for anyone like with social media or even like you said, with a business and especially with they like they say, like if it's a business sales, like don't, it's not about the number of followers that translate to sales. It's about really finding those key engaged audience that, mm -hmm. you know, care about you or care about your brand. So I think those are so important. And where can people go to, you know, find you online, find your podcast, find you on YouTube and all of that? Yeah. So I'm at your girl Carly everywhere on social media. So that's your girl, K-A-R-L-Y. You can find me on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I also have a blog. It's yourgirlcarly.com. And then I run a top five sexuality podcast called Hey Bitches. And you can listen to that wherever you listen to podcasts. And then if you're interested, um, my clothing line is www.shopconfidenceclub.com. So I don't know about you, but one of my New Year's resolution goals is to keep up with my skincare routine. And the best way to do this is with Three Ships Beauty. You might recognize them as New Body from the first season, who have now rebranded to Three Ships while keeping their amazing 100% natural ingredient and cruelty-free skincare products. Nothing goes to the market unless it has been significantly proven to work and all of their products will forever be under $40 US. This is my absolute favorite skincare brand and I use them every single day. It has made such an amazing difference with my skin and I am so excited to offer the listeners 20% off using code MADEITHAPPEN20. That's 20% off using code MADEITHAPPEN20 at 3shipsbeauty.com. Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.